It is a privilege to be here this morning. I count it an honor to stand before you and to have the opportunity to open the Word of God. We've already read our text this morning. We're not going to read it again. Um, The message this morning comes out of the book of Matthew in Matthew chapter 9. In the passage that we read, I want to draw your attention this morning to two very simple words. It's two words that we would often overlook without even really taking into consideration what those two words say. Those two words are found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. He saw. He saw. Oftentimes those two words are so commonplace to us because we see every single day. But yet, as we find, as we look at this passage, those two words have a greater impact than just the everyday sight that we have all too often. So we get started this morning. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that we have your word. Lord, we thank you that every word in your word is inspired by you and given to us and is profitable to us. And Lord, as we consider these two words this morning, he saw, help each one of us to see also. In your name we pray, amen. In the book Catching the Light, quantum physicist Arthur Kojak writes of studies which investigated recovery from congenial blindness. Thanks to cornea transplants, people who have been blind from birth would suddenly have functional use of their eyes. Nevertheless, success was rare. Referring to one young boy, the world does not appear to the patient as filled with the gifts of intelligible sight, light, color, and shape upon waking from surgery. Zajak observed, light and eyes were not enough to grant the patient sight. The light of day beckoned, but no light of mind replied within the boy's anxious, open eyes. Zajak quotes from a study by a Dr. Moru who observed that while surgery gave the patient the power to see, the employment of this power, which as a whole constitutes the act of seeing, still has to be acquired from the beginning. Dr. Moro concludes, to give back sight to a congenitally blind person is more the work of an educator than the work of a surgeon. To which Zojak adds, the sober truth remains that vision requires far more than a functioning physical organ. Today, many believers are just like the little boy in that study. You see, we go through life without actually seeing. Oh, we have functional use of our eyes and we see what is around us. But yet we really do not see. You see, as a believer, the Bible teaches that you and I have had the cornea transplant. We have had our sight restored. 
Acts chapter 26 says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. When you accepted Christ, God gave you an eye transplant. He opened your eyes so that you can see. But many times, we act as if we're still blind. Many times, we go through life seeing everybody around us, but yet not really seeing. There were three guys on a golf course, an engineer, a priest, and a doctor, and they were playing golf. But the group before them was very, very slow, and at each hole they waited for hours. Finally, the priest looked at the guys and says, Why is this group in front of us so slow? He was told that they were a, very, a group of very courageous firemen who saved the golf course a couple of years ago from a terrible fire in which they had all lost their sight. As a token of appreciation, the golf course had given them the privilege of playing golf Anytime they wanted. Now, they like that a lot, but being blind, you might imagine that they were just really not too good at hitting the ball. And when they did hit the ball, they were really not too good at finding the ball. The priest, as he heard the story, says, Oh my, that's terrible. Tonight I'll say a little prayer for them. The engineer said, Wait, why don't they just play at night? The doctor heard that and said, Don't worry, I know an an eye surgeon, and I'll see that they get to the eye surgeon. He can work wonders. You see, as we go through life, all too often we're like that priest. We sit back in our churches, and we say, You know, I'm going to pray for the lost. I'm going to pray for my lost neighbor. I'm going to pray for my lost family member. I'm going to pray for for my lost co-worker. But we never take the Word of God to them. We make it sound really good. We make it sound really religious. But we never take the Word of God, to them. We never truly see them for who they are. When Jesus was out that day working and ministering, verse 35 says, He went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel. He was active in ministry. When Jesus was out in and among the people, when Jesus was out working with the people, He opened his eyes open. He saw the people. He saw the multitudes for who they were. Can you see this morning? Can you see the multitudes all around you? As Jesus saw the multitudes. God has given me the privilege to live in India or to live in Mongolia, to live in Pakistan, and to live in I said that wrong. To live, God has given me the privilege to live in Mongolia, to live in the United States, 
and to live in the country of South Korea. He's given me the privilege of visiting several other countries, India, Pakistan, among others. One thing that I quickly discovered after being overseas for a number of years is that people are the same wherever you're at. It doesn't matter what culture you're from. It doesn't matter what background you are from. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, people are the same wherever we're at. We all have the same desires, the same goals for our kids, for our families, for our life. All around the world. And the condition of the people that Jesus saw that day is the same wherever we're at also. Look briefly with me at the condition of what the people were, what Jesus saw when he saw the multitudes. Verse 36 says, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They fainted. This word describes a a condition of weariness because of continual harassment and oppression. It describes a people that are pushed down with the pressures of life. It describes a people that that has just a simple weariness of life. That was not the intention. When God created this world, He did not create people to feel or to have this oppression, to have this condition of weariness. It is a direct result of sin in the world today. I'm not saying that if you're tired, if you're tired of life, if you're feeling this weariness, if you're pressed down, it's because you have sinned, but rather it is a result of the sin-cursed world. We live in a world of sin, and living in a world of sin, it weighs upon us. It weighs upon us as believers as we live and we interact with sinful people. As an unbeliever, as a person who has not accepted Christ, the the sin-cursed world weighs upon us and pushes us down. And we become weary. Are you weary this morning? Would the words, and they fainted, describe you this morning? Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11. Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. How about the words of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Are you weary this morning? As one that has fainted. When Jesus opened his eyes, He saw the people, the multitudes, as they had fainted. Can you see as God sees this morning? The second thing that Jesus saw was that they were scattered abroad. This phrase conveys the idea, it gives us the idea of helplessness and dejection. 
Once again, we note how this aptly describes the multitudes in the world today. They are helpless. They are unable to save themselves from sin and its effects no matter what they do. It reminds me of of the preacher's words in the book of Ecclesiastes when he writes, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. God has given us the opportunity to minister in the country of South Korea. South Korea is is an industrialized first world nation. As such, they have one of the highest suicide rates in the world, usually ranking within the top five many years, ranking number one among suicides worldwide. Most of those suicides take place in young people from middle school up through college age or from about the age of 55 and up. Why? Why would somebody be willing to commit suicide? Because they fainted. Because they're scattered abroad. They have, the, they, they have no hope. Let me tell you this morning that that hope, that, 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 that this, the, the, re, the prescription for fixing that is found in Him. It's found in His Word. It's found in His people. It's found in His church. Can you see the people around you today? Can you see the people as God sees today? The same description of the people that God saw that day is the description of the people all around us every single day. God said they fainted, that they were scattered abroad. The last part of that description is that they were like sheep without a shepherd. There was no one to guide them or lead them in the right path, no one to provide them with the right direction in life. That is equally true about millions of lives today. Many do not know why they're here. They wander through life aimlessly trying to get a little bit more money in the bank to pay the bills every day, living paycheck to paycheck. Does that not describe our world today? Can you see the people as God sees the people? If you can truly see the people as God sees the people, then there are some things in life, in your life, that will change. When Jesus saw, he was moved with compassion. Now this word compassion is an interesting word. You see, it is a word that describes an emotion. But there is something unique about compassion that is different than other words that describe an emotion. Other words like apathy, other words like sympathy, other words like empathy. There's something different about the word compassion. Every time the word compassion is used, it is always linked to an action. You see, if you have compassion, it will move you to action. 
sympathy will not necessarily move you to action. Empathy will not necessarily move you to action. Apathy will not move you to action. But if you have compassion, it will move you to action. When Jesus saw the multitudes that day, he was moved with compassion. Are you moved with compassion when you see the people around you? We did not read it, but if we continue on into chapter 10, we learn that when Jesus saw the multitudes, it moved him to action. He sent out the 12 disciples to help solve the the problems that he saw, the, the condition of the people, to minister to the people. Compassion cannot be separated from action. Can you see today, can you see the people represented by the map over here? Can you see the people represented by the map over here? Can you see as God saw this morning? If so, it'll move you with compassion. It'll move you to action. If so, it'll move you to be concerned about the urgency of the task. This world is dying and going to hell every single day, every single second. People are passing into eternity. Time is short. We don't know how long we have before the Lord returns. It could be today. Can you sense the urgency of the task? Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. If you study farming at all, you will know that there is just a very short window of time that the harvest can be harvested. If the harvest is not taken within that short time, the harvest will be lost. Can you sense the urgency of the task today? When Jesus saw, he got a glimpse of the urgency, the need to share the gospel with those around him. When Jesus saw, he was moved with the need for laborers. He was moved with the need for laborers. In the city in which God has placed us, the city of Seoul, South Korea, in the metro area, there is 25 to 26 million people. On average, as I said this this morning in Sunday school, but on average, we pass out between eight to 10,000 pieces of gospel literature a month trying to reach our city with the gospel of Christ. Pastor Kim and I, we're talking a couple of months ago and we got the calculator out and we began doing just a little bit of figures. At the current rate of 10,000 a month, it would take over 200 years to offer every single person, pastor, in our city a tract. Over 200 years. Can you sense the need today? Can you see the need? Can you see as God sees? When you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, God removed the blinders. He restored your sight. 
He gave you a cornea transplant. Can you truly see this morning as God sees? All around us, people are fainting, scattered abroad as sheep without a shepherd. Can you truly see this morning? If you can, what are you doing about it? Pastor.